Well, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 39 this morning as we are in a series looking at the life of Joseph called, Why Not Me? And so many times when we face problems and issues and challenges, we ask God, why me? But the better question is to ask God, why not me? Why not my story? Why not use what's going through me or or happening to me to work through me and be a blessing to other people? You know, the more people that I meet and the more that I hear what people go through, and I guess the, probably the better I get to know myself and as I grow in age, I have discovered that there are a lot of people who are experts in a lot of different subjects. And I have met certain people who are experts in probably a, a field or an area that most of us in here think, no, I'm an expert in that. I mean, some of you, and I'll just put it this way, are the most knowledgeable, and you believe that you are the most knowledgeable about a certain subject, better than any person that you know. You are the smartest person that you know in a certain area. And and many of you share that same area. So I, I don't know if you realize that this is, I guess this morning, kind of a collection or a uh, a meeting, so to speak, of experts in one particular field of study that many of you let's be honest most of us have put a lot of time and energy and effort into that area and that is this most of us are experts in worry we are the smartest people we know and how to be stressed how to worry how to have anxiety how to fret, whatever you want to call it. But we are the smartest people we know in how to obsess about a problem we can't fix. I read about a house that just sold for $2 million in San Francisco, and it was called the worst house on the best block. The only explanation that people on the internet can give for this $2 million home selling for $2 million is the fact that it had a parking spot on the road in front of it on this block. Otherwise, they called this 122-year Victorian-style home the worst house on the best block. You know, and I thought about that. I would rather be the biggest train wreck of all of us smart people here this morning that knows how to worry have problems have issues i would rather be the biggest train wreck in the church with a personal relationship with god than i would to have no problems and not have god so you may be an expert on how to worry and how to to really fret but we're all in the same boat. If somebody were to say, oh, you're, you're a Christian? You must be the worst Christian in the church. You must be the biggest wreck, the biggest warrior, the biggest 
problem, the biggest headache of all of the children of God on the planet. And in some ways, I would be okay with that. If that was the way that I was looked at, I could always say, well, at least with all of my problems, with all that I worry about, of all that I obsess about, at least I have a relationship with God that I can turn those over to Him. I would rather be the biggest wreck in the family of God than to not be part of the family of God at all. And some of us, as the title of the message suggests today, are too stressed to be blessed. You have too much worry, too much anxiety, too much junk to deal with to live a blessed life. Now the phrase is supposed to be, I'm too blessed to be stressed, but let's be honest. Very few of us can say, I am way too blessed to be stressed. No, you're too stressed to be blessed. But that's why we're looking at the life of Joseph. Because all of us go through problems and pains and ups and downs and challenges. We may face different kinds at different times. But the fact of the matter is, all of us have, to some degree, a stressed life. But God has called us to have a blessed life. We can either be too stressed to be blessed, or we can, as God has designed us to be, be too blessed to be stressed. That's what we see in the life of Joseph. And I pray that as we look at God's Word today, that all of us would leave this room today, leave this time of worship and say, God, truly, I am too blessed to be stressed. I hope that you have found Genesis chapter 39. We're going to look at the entire chapter this morning. But if you're able to, would you stand as we read the first six verses in this text to get the picture of what's going on in this blessed life of Joseph. Verse 1 in Genesis 39 tells us, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, in house and in field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this opportunity that you have blessed us with to gather together in worship, to sing praises to you, to pray, and to hear from your word. God, I pray that even with all of the stress, the anxiety, the frustration, the questions, and the challenges that we face, 
God, that instead of being overburdened by those issues in life, God, that our heart would be set free today through your presence and power and your blessing on our life. God, teach us today how to be too blessed to be stressed. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are a couple of words in the message today that I want you to pay special attention to. Of course, I've already mentioned to you that Joseph had a blessed life. And this is the kind of life that I hope that all of us would say, God, in spite of what happens to me and in spite of all of the circumstances I go through in life, my prayer would be, God, that I would have a blessed life. But I want you to notice that one of the words that is important for us to take note of today is the word embrace. Now that's going to have special meaning here in just a few moments. But the other word that I want you to notice is the word blessed. How can we and why should we embrace a blessed life? Well, in order to really understand what the blessed life is and why God wants us to have that kind of life, the first step in this little journey of being too blessed to be stressed is the first step is we need to embrace the purpose of a blessed life. What is the purpose of why God would want us as his followers, his children, believers in Jesus to be blessed? Well, one of the real important purposes of having a blessed life is to have the presence of God with you. If you noticed in these first few verses, the Bible reminds us in verse 1 of chapter 39 what happened in the last half of chapter 37. Joseph was sold by his brothers. He was hated by them. They were jealous of him. They didn't want him around. They were going to kill him. But one of the brothers, Judah, spoke up and said, look, let's make some money off of this kid. Let's sell him to these Ishmaelites. They're traveling to Egypt. Let's sell our brother, make a little bit of money, and then we'll just tell dad that he's gone. Well, that was their plan. They have their money in their pocket, and down goes Joseph to Egypt on this caravan of Ishmaelites. And who purchases Joseph as a slave, the captain of the army named Potiphar, perhaps the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. And the Bible tells us in verse 1 that he put Joseph in charge. And notice what it says in verse 2, that, well, that he bought him. And then in verse 2 it says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And then notice verse 3 says, His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Now you've got to remember that Joseph, when he was sold into slavery, was a 17, 18-year-old kid. This young man has been sold by his brothers. His parents think that he's dead. He is in another country, has no connection to family, doesn't have Wi-Fi in the house to send a message back to mom and dad, can't update his Facebook or Instagram, 
can't share anything that's going on. That was a joke, by the way. Completely disconnected. Some of y'all are like, they had that in Genesis? Um, completely disconnected from his family, his friends, familiar surroundings, and now he is sold as a slave. And he has to do chores around the house. He has to answer to a master in a country with a language and a culture he does not understand. And he's 17, 18 years old when all of this is happening. You have to realize that this kid, this young man, as wonderful and talented and well put together as he might have been, had a mountain in front of him of worry, of fear, of anxiety, of what in the world is going to happen to me. And the Bible says twice in two different verses that the Lord was with him. Friend, this is not God's way of reminding you of some nice little way that God patted Joseph on the head when he was in a stranger's house. This is a theological statement about the presence and the power of God when any of us are in a situation that we are scared to death. When we don't know what to do, when we don't see a friend, when we don't have familiar surroundings, when we feel like our life has come to an end, the Bible says about Joseph that God stepped in and was with him and comforted him and surrounded him and blessed him. If you think that the book of Genesis and really all of the Old Testament are just nice little stories, let me just remind you that the same God who stepped into Joseph's life when he faced his biggest challenge is the same God who can step into yours today. And when God stepped into the life of Joseph to comfort him, it was not to just make Joseph feel better about where he was, it was to ensure that Joseph had the presence and the power of God with him. Friend, when God promises you, I'll never leave you or forsake you, he means it. When God reminds you that his presence is an ever-present help in a time of trouble, he promises that and he makes good on that. You say, well, pastor, what do I do whenever I, like Joseph, step into some issue and I feel like nobody is there I feel like I'm all alone and I don't know what to do what happens to me when life happens and takes over and I'm scared to death the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4 to pray faithfully listen to these verses carefully and think about Joseph and think about your own life as well the Bible says in verses 6 and 7 of Philippians chapter 4 be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The two places where fear, anxiety, where challenges just seem to overwhelm our thinking and the center core of our emotions 
The Bible says when we pray and turn all of those anxieties and fears and challenges over to God, that the peace of God, His presence and power, will guard the two places in your life where fear, anxiety will overwhelm you. And it surpasses all understanding. What else can I do whenever I'm faced with those challenges? I'm going to give you a task this morning that you probably would not have seen coming, but this is right out of the Bible. What do I do when I'm going through challenges? Comfort somebody else. Listen to what 2 Corinthians says in chapter 1, verses 2 through 7. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which accomplishes in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we experience. And our hope for you is sure because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you will share in our comfort. Let me summarize that for you very quickly. God steps in to bring comfort to you so that you might be a comfort to someone who needs the Lord's comfort. God steps into your pain so that you might then be able to turn to someone who is going through a similar pain and say, brother, sister, I have been there. And just as God stepped into my life when I went through this pain, God is going to step in and be there for you in yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 basically says the reason that God pours into your cup is so that you can pour into the life of someone else. You think Joseph was the only slave in Egypt? You think Joseph was the only 17, 18-year-old boy who had been sold into slavery? You think Joseph was the only person in the land of Egypt going through what he was going through? I can guarantee you that as Joseph was serving in this massive home of this extremely important person, that there were other slaves, perhaps even from other countries, and Joseph was able to say, because God is with me, and God is going to bless this entire house because I'm here, God will also and can also step into your life and comfort you. Isn't that what a church is supposed to be? Listen, gone are the days when we walked into this room and just acted like, I'm fine. Everything's great. Hey, no problems. This is why my life is wonderful. Look, let's just be real. And if you have pain and problems and challenges, share that with people. Because the more authentic we can be about our own pain and problems and challenges and open up and share what God has done in our life, then the more healing, 
the more comfort and the more fellowship we'll have as a church. That's the purpose of a blessed life. Not just to embrace the presence of God, but to express the favor of God. Again, look at verse 3. The Bible says that his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Verse 4, so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. You know, Joseph could have been a hard worker. Joseph could have been a good kid. Joseph could have had a great head on his shoulder and been a wonderful thinker and just done everything right. But the Bible says that God's hand was on him. and God took the person of who Joseph was. God took the talents of Joseph and God took the situation of Joseph and put his hand on this young man and blessed every single thing that Joseph touched. Isn't that the kind of life that you want to live? Where God can take who you are and where you are and what you're going through and make you a blessing to every single person that you meet. You know, speaking of being real and authentic, have you ever had some person that you know walk up to you and the more footsteps that they're taking in your direction the more internally you're having to prepare for this encounter. Now don't point, that's not nice. But somebody that you can't do it outwardly, but inwardly you're like, oh, here they come. I'm not ready for this today. You know, somebody that you ask, how are you? And an hour later, you're sorry you asked. <laughs> Some person that is just exhausting, now again, don't look around the room, you know, don't nudge the person next to you, please. I, I'm not ready for counseling today, but you know anybody that's just hard and you just have to prepare yourself to deal with the onslaught of everything they're going, they are draining to you in your life. Now flip that around. You know somebody when you see them walking up to you, your face just starts to light up because you can't wait to talk to them. Is there somebody that when you look at your phone and you see their name, their contact pop up, you answer it on the first ring rather than hit decline and let it go to voicemail, but you actually answer the phone call because you're glad they called you? Is there anybody that you just are expecting to hear from because you can't wait to hear what's going on in their life. That's the kind of person Joseph was. Joseph walked in a room and the whole room was better. Not because of who he was. The Bible says it's because God was with him. Friend, that's the purpose of a blessed life. The purpose of a blessed life is not to be problem-free. The purpose of a blessed life is not to just have this ridiculous smile on your face all the time. The purpose of a blessed life is to be a blessing. And to let other people say, when you walk away, man, I'm glad I got to talk to them today. 
They're going through all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues, but they're so focused on what God is doing in their life, that is an encouragement to me. This person has a testimony. This person has a real life. This person has had problems, but they constantly run to God and turn those over to Him. What a blessing they are to what I'm going through in life. That's the purpose of a blessed life. Is to be that kind of a blessing to others. There is a purpose of a blessed life. But the Bible then speaks to when we go through a particular issue that there is protection of a blessed life. That's the second step I want you to notice this morning. I want you to embrace the purpose of a blessed life, but we also need to embrace the protection that comes from living a blessed life. Now, if you know anything about the rest of Genesis chapter 39, you know that the word embrace and the word protection don't seem to fit. Now, we didn't have a chance to read this section of Scripture, but I'm going to explain to you what happens in the life of Joseph. If you thought being sold into slavery by his brothers was bad, then this went from bad to worse. The Bible says in the next few verses, in fact, in verse 6, the other half of that verse, says that Joseph was a handsome, good-looking young man in form and in appearance. So that means that he was well-built and he was easy on the eyes, ladies. That means that this young man had it going on. And Potiphar's wife, who is nameless in the Bible, took notice of this young man. And speaking of embrace, she wanted to have him. She called Joseph to her bed several times, wanted him to be with her. Joseph declined, and he said no. Well, finally, one day, she goes to grab at him and grabs his garment, and Joseph, as the New Testament teaches us, to flee sexual immorality, began to run away from her and had left his garment behind in her hand. She tugged at it and he ran out of the house. Well, Potiphar's wife took the garment and screamed and screamed, Look, this, this Hebrew young man that you brought into the house is here to shame us. But I want you to see the protection that comes from having a blessed life. You know, if God was with Joseph, in a way that he blessed everything that Joseph did, why didn't God protect Joseph in this moment? Why didn't God stop this encounter with Pharaoh's wife? Why didn't God step into Potiphar's wife? I said Pharaoh. Potiphar's, make sure you're paying attention. Potiphar's wife's heart and change her heart? Why didn't he just, you know, strike her with blindness or, you know, uh, change your mind, change your heart? Why, why didn't God just do that? Why did this have to happen to Joseph? He's had enough bad already. God did step in. Just not the way that we think that he would have. Notice in chapter 39, in verse 8, the Bible tells us how God stepped in. 
It says, he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. Now here is the protection of God. Joseph says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Not against Potiphar, not against Potiphar's wife, not even against his own life and his own reputation. Joseph sees this invitation by Potiphar's wife as a sin against God. Friend, this is how God protects a blessed life. God does not just step in and change the circumstance. God steps in and changes the one whom He is blessing. And God protects not by keeping pain, problems, issues far from us, but by stepping in and being close to us in the middle of whatever it is that we're faced with. Part of God saying, I'll never leave you or forsake you, happens in the first part of chapter 39. Joseph's away from home. Joseph is serving as a slave. Joseph has had to learn a different culture, and now he has a master. God stepped in and comforted him. And God has changed his heart so that he sees this sin as a sin against God. Well, after Potiphar's wife accuses him, even though it's a false accusation, Potiphar has no choice except to throw Joseph in prison. And yet, God is still protecting this young man, even though he is thrown into prison. I want you to notice in verse 21. After Joseph is thrown into prison, the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Doesn't that sound familiar? The same God who was with Joseph as a servant in Potiphar's house is faithful to be with Joseph in prison and show him the depth of his love away from friends away from family away from the culture that he was growing up in now a stranger in a different land learning a different culture with different language and being accused as a slave of doing something he did not do and God steps in and says Joseph everybody else may hate you but don't forget I love you Friend, God loves you. Always has and He always will. And there are two kinds of people in this room that need to know the love of God. You may be the kind that needs to know the love of God because you've never known the love of God. And you need to realize that God loves you so much that the sin in your life that keeps you from having a relationship with Him 
is taken away through the cross of Jesus Christ. All of your sin and mine needs to be paid for with one price, and that price is death. And God paid that price Himself by sending Jesus Christ, His Son, to be your sacrifice on the cross. And if you've never come to know the love of God, today you need to step into the love of God to have that blessed life, to embrace that protection that comes. There is no protection in sin. There is no protection in yourself. There is no protection in providing your own salvation. The only protection you'll ever have is the deep embrace of the love and the grace and the mercy of an eternal God who loves you and sent His Son for you. But the other kind of person here today and listening to this message that needs to know the love of God is not just one who has never come to know the love of God, but one who needs to be reminded. You may be like Joseph. You may be in the middle of something right now and you're saying, God, where is your love? Where is your steadfast love, your presence, your loving kindness? Friend, you need to remember that God has never left you or forsaken you. And just like in the life of Joseph, you can also live a blessed life. Look at verse 22. The Bible says the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison, and whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. You say, Pastor, I'm, I hear what you're saying. But it doesn't change the fact that I have a problem. I have a challenge. I have an issue in my life right now and I need God to step in in a big way. I know the love of God. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I've known for many, many years that if my life were to end at this moment that I would step out of this life and into the presence of God. I know that I have a personal relationship with God. But how can I make it through this? Some of you are there right now. I saw a video clip the other day of a pastor preaching. And he shared a marvelous, marvelous example of this very thing. He had a picture up on the screen that he took from inside of his car. And like many of you, you have a, an air freshener hanging from your rearview mirror. He took a picture of the air freshener, but in the background, outside on the street, was a car. And it was fuzzy, and it was far away, but what was in the foreground of the picture was the air freshener. He asked the church a simple question. Looking at the picture, which of those two objects is bigger? Well, in the picture, it was obvious that the air freshener was bigger. The car seemed pretty small. It was on the other side of the street and it was kind of driving away. And he said, the other obvious question, well then how in the world could I get an air freshener that according to this picture is bigger than a car, how could I get it inside my car? That makes no sense. 
And the answer, of course, is obvious, and that is that in the picture, the air freshener is closer and the car is farther away. So the object that is closer seems bigger, even though it's small, and the object that is much, much bigger seems small because it's far away. And friend, if you want big problems, if you want your problems to seem really big, make sure that your big God, the one true and living God, is far away. And He will seem small to you. And small things that are up close and personal to you will seem really big. But if you want to step into reality, and if you want small problems, because you know personally the one true and living God, and you have a personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, the closer that you get to God, the bigger He becomes, and the smaller your problems are. It doesn't mean they go away. It just means that God comes closer. And the closer that you are to God, the more He comforts you to say, it's going to be okay. The closer that you are to Him, the more perspective you have that your life ultimately is in His hands. And though your life may seem small and insignificant too, God holds you because He loves you. And God is so much bigger than all of our problems combined. So what should we do? Draw near to God. Get the perspective that even though my problems seem big, God is bigger. Even though that pain and that overwhelming sense of anxiety may just consume me, God is bigger. And may God consume me more than any pain, any problem, any challenge ever you can be too stressed to be blessed by having really big problems and a really small God. Or you can be too blessed to be stressed by realizing just how big God is in the face of all of your problems. Which one are you? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the life of Joseph and the lessons, Lord, that we learn about not just how to deal with problems, but God, the lessons we learn about how to draw closer to you. Lord, in these days as we ask what you're doing in our life and what you're producing in us, God, it's my prayer that every single one of us would realize today that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the same 
that stepped into the life of Joseph to comfort him, and God, you are the same that steps in our life to bring comfort to us. And Lord, no matter what we face, when and where and how, God, help us to draw closer to you. Help us to pray, being anxious about nothing, but letting our requests be made known to you so that you might guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And God, help us to not only be comforted by you, but to be a comfort to others as well. Lord, thank you for this time that we can respond to your word. And I pray that you'd find us faithful to do just that. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.